Dan, have you ever had um, kefir water? Kefir water? I don't think I have. Tell me more. It's like the it's like the kind of rival to kombucha. I don't know a lot about it, but it's water with probiotics, and it'll often be flavored. So it's kind of like it's kind of like halfway between a flavored soda water and a kombucha. Ooh. It's a lot lighter in kind of flavor, and kombucha. The one thing with kombucha is that it was well, it's naturally carbonated, so it's and it has a ton of sugar in it. And despite mm-hmm. a lot of that sugar being eaten by the yeast and converted into carbonation, it still kind of has that little bit alcoholic, a little bit kind of sweet flavor to it, right? Yeah. Whereas kefir water is a lot cleaner, and so um, yeah, I would say it's probably it's probably like if if soda water like a bubbly was a zero and a kombucha. Your typical kombucha was a 10. I'd say it's probably like a four. Hmm, wow. Um, but it still has a ton of the probiotics. So yeah, I've been getting into kefir water lately. Um, and so why is it called kefir water? Is the kefir... Kefir, kefir is the like probiotic or whatever. Uh, oh, okay. So have you ever yeah. heard of like k- kefir yogurt or kefir milk? No. Apparently oh yeah, it's, it's like... Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of like in it, like a kind of its own niche. But basically it's just, it's, it's fermented with probiotics in it. Oh, okay. But it's not like as like rich as a kombucha is. Mm. Anyway, keep an eye out for it. Might be, might be uh, worth trying out. It sounds like. Welcome to Taste BC Radio, where we're going on a journey to explore restaurants, breweries, wineries, and just about anywhere where we can eat or drink local. I'm Jeff, and I'm Dan, and we are talking twice a month about local BC food and drink. If you want to join in on the conversation, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Taste BC Radio, or email us at host at tastebcradio.ca. All right, tasters, let's get into it. How have you been, Jeff? I've been good, thank you. Good, good, good. I um I finished my 100-day run streak, and I took yesterday off. Yeah, you did. And it was wonderful. Yeah? Did you feel good about, like, actually not... Was it weird not running for the first time in 100 days? Uh, Yes, it was weird, but also I had a really busy day, so it... Didn't feel like I wasn't like sitting around doing nothing, but I had a ton of energy and I was like really hyper all day. So (laughs) absolutely. Well, first of all, congratulations on the run streak. That's amazing. I feel like just the thought of running a hundred days in a row, I've preemptively pulled my hamstring. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, the first 20 and the last 10 were probably the hardest 30. Oh yeah. The hardest portion of it. Was it more the mental side of it or do you feel like it was more the physical side of it? Or a combination. The physical of the side at the beginning and yep. the mental side at the end, mm, that knowing that it was the end was coming up. Whereas if yep. I had kind of no end in sight, but I knew I didn't want to just kind of casually continue it forever. So yeah, yeah. Um, having a, a date where it ended, and as I was approaching the end, I was like, ah, oh, well, I'm almost done. Like, who cares? Like, if I skip a day, yeah. it's like, no, get to a hundred, get to a hundred, get to a hundred. Um, I feel yeah. like. Um, talking not as an expert obviously but i feel like if you have like an endpoint, it actually makes it feel i feel like it would make it a bit more special you know like a hundred days yeah and it makes it like a start and finish thing where you've done you've yeah started, and then, you've gone and then on you don't journey. miss yeah and then it's not just like some random number that you i mean a lot of runners will get stuck doing run streaks and then mm-hmm. they feel like it's kind of a thing that they do and part of their identity and so they can never stop and then when they yeah. finally do stop it's just like oh i you know, injured myself or I had to go on vacation and I couldn't continue or something like that. Totally. But yeah. So my original goal was to do Thanksgiving to Christmas. And then I ended up starting the day before Thanksgiving just because of how my training plan was going. Yeah. Um, and then that wasn't a nice round number and I really wanted it to be. So I kind of just evened it out and then it was like 80 and I was like, ah, round up to a hundred. And so, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I used to, you know what? I used to be one of those people who could like stop my watch at like a random distance, and I find myself I can still do it, but it feels really, really wrong. Like it was stopping Wait. at like two point eight seven kilometers, and I'm like, oh, it's like a hundred and thirty meters. What's wrong with me? Like, but yeah. <laughs> at the end of the or if it's, I find it easier if it's like raining outside and I'm walking past the house. I'm like, oh no, 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 stopwatch done. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly for walks and stuff like that. Do you think you'll do another streak and go for like, uh, like a different number, or is that, or like, if I do, it won't be for at least another year. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah, because I've kind of got the rest of my year planned out for training so yeah and it was a minimum yeah. your your run streak was a minimum of three kilometers right just so for the yeah 3.2 it was based off of two miles yeah oh based on, right because your training plans are under miles that's right i forgot about that yeah oh very good that's amazing man congratulations yeah. little ripple oh thank you thank you okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you got a big trip coming up here we do we're going to hawaii um we're spending uh, eight days in uh, Kauai. Which is what well, was actually our favorite. Um, we, we, my wife and I went on a cruise back in twenty sixteen. I'm gonna get no. It would have been twenty seventeen or eighteen because it was when we were in Boston. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I think you know what it was. Twenty eighteen. It was our last major trip before I went back to school, and then the pandemic hit. Um, and Kauai was so the cruise itself started in Honolulu, and then every day you stopped at a different island. And then you spent, I think, five days at sea heading back to Vancouver. So it was really cool because you only had to fly once. Cool. Uh, and then they dropped us off back in Vancouver. Um, but Kauai was definitely our favorite of the islands. It's just so... I wouldn't say it's untouched. Like, there's obviously, like, a city like Lihu is, like, the... Lihu... I, I, I don't know the pronunciation, but I'll learn that soon. Um, it, but it, when you draw, start driving out of, like, the main parts of it, you just enter this absolutely stunning uh scenery and it feels un like untouched like rainforest and beautiful mountains uh, un incredible hiking and um beautiful serene beaches like some of the best beaches in all of the hawaiian islands according to a local that my folks talked to um when they cool. were in <laughs> when they were in hawaii on the big island in november so <laughs> we'll have to do a uh Tasty try. <laughs> I still have to do a taste uh, Nova Scotia. We still have to right. get that in. Yeah, I should maybe maybe uh, maybe we'll do a special episode for like Valentine's Day or something. Yeah. Giving giving lo <laughs> giving love to other provinces of Canada. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, we're super excited. It's like our first major trip outside of Canada since the well since that cruise actually, and it's kind of funny that we're going back to Hawaii, but such an amazing place and such nice people and like i'm i can't wait to be just on a beach and not thinking about anything yeah and how long are you gone for just eight days so okay and, yeah from the 25th to the 2nd of february so yeah amazing great yeah. well we'll miss you bud oh i'll miss you too but we'll still we'll still send messages and i'll send you pictures and stuff like that so yeah i will block all of them so that i'm not jealous yeah fair enough <laughs> <laughs> this could be us <laughs> <laughs> yeah how about yourself what's new with you um just you know in school yeah and have you gone built your new routine into your this new uh the new semester more or less there's still some gaps um which 
I have to figure out where I want to fit some stuff in. But sure. uh, for the most part, I've got it kind of figured out. And just the amount of reading this semester I have is just wild. I have so much reading because they're, they're all like social sciences courses. So, mm-hmm. you know, resource management and geography, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to buy a textbook, but you have to do so much academic reading, which is incredibly dull. Yeah. Um, and for one class, I'm doing environmental law, which has like eight readings per class. So it's just, and it's a lot of them are law cases or like court cases, but it's all super interesting. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. It would be really interesting. And I found out, so I got into my program officially this semester. Yeah. And two semesters ago, they changed one of the graduation requirements for the program. And so I have been basing my courses off of the old requirements. And all they did was drop one course from the requirements. But I had taken the prereq to take that course. And the prereq I needed to take to get into the program. And so I couldn't have been in the program without having first gotten that prereq. And I could have taken a different one instead, but I would have been following a different direction to a different 300 level course right so i took the 200 level which let me get into the program and then once i get into the program i find out that the subsequent course was no longer a graduation option so i emailed them and i said this is ridiculous and they (laughs) and i just heard back this morning and they said i'm looking into it i'll let you know so hopefully they let me just take that upper level course and not have to go back and take two new courses instead. Oh, surely not. Yeah. Oh, that would be because I already, <laughs> I already on the same day found out that there was two courses I missed in my planning, so I have to bump up my <laughs> course load for the next two semesters. Oh. Um, yeah, but I'm glad I caught it now, not at the end. That's you imagine fair. trying to apply for graduation. It's like, oh, you're missing these two courses. <laughs> oh, that would be so stressful. Yeah. Is it good um, if you're if you have to add like two more courses that. That still means that you'll graduate based on your timeline that you built. Yeah, you're not gonna have to do an extra. Yeah, semester. so with you these have to with these hard. two that I missed, I just I'm gonna have a. So I had assumed that my last semester would be my hardest because I was taking five courses, and then right. I wouldn't take more than four moving forward. Right now, I figured out these two courses. So now I'm gonna have a five course semester next semester, and then and I'm gonna instead of my last semester being three, it's gonna have to be four. Oh. And now, if I also have to go back and take this old other course, yeah. then I'm going to have to have two more five-semester courses, and then my last one being a four. So it'll just be really, yeah, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's doable, but it's just a lot. Oh, that's so much. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you know what? You know what I learned from your wife, though, Dan? Mm. D's get degrees, baby. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> if you needed any more justification on academic advisors, like that job in itself, that is a perfect example of why they're needed. Because this like whole concept of reaching graduation for some reason gets really complicated. Ridiculous. Yeah, okay, so yes and no. So <laughs> I saw an academic advisor last semester. Oh no. And I told her that I was taking these two courses uh-huh. and she did not tell me that that was no longer a graduation requirement. Never mind. I take that back. Which I included in my email and I said, when we met last semester, this is what I told you my plan was and I was not informed that it has changed. So... Oh no. Because I was... I, by the time they changed it, I was already enrolled in the prereq. Right. So I had to enroll in the prereq to get into the program mm-hmm. to then take the course that has now been dropped from the requirements. Oh my god. 
Are you having to, last last question, are you having to go between Burnaby and Surrey again for this semester? No, this I was very adamant this semester of being able to just be on one campus per day. So Good. I have one class in Vancouver, but it's my only course that day. Yeah. And then I have, my other courses are in... Oh, um, I forgot about the Vancouver. Burnaby, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah, I, I might not be able to avoid it forever, but at least at least Every, it's not as bad as it was last semester. Yeah. Every any semester that you get just like one a day is probably a win. Yeah. But at least you're like yeah. well positioned. Like you're well positioned where you live, like to get everywhere all, yeah. to all Yeah, each level. of them are pretty accessible. Honestly, Vancouver and Surrey are actually faster for me to get to. But really? oh, because um, you, you it's just a skytrain sky line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Burnaby has more courses, so. Yeah. But it's annoying because, well, it's annoying, but it's good. This semester, all my classes are super late. So I have, on Mondays, I have my classes from 5.30 to 8.30. Mm -hmm. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I start at 12.30. And then on Wednesdays, I start at 2.30. So it's annoying because I work nights at work. So... I, I have to start later, which means I have to work later. But then Kalina still works at 9 to 5, so we're getting up at, like, 7.45, 8, which is fine because then I have time to, you know, go for my run or study or whatever. But it just totally throws a wrench in the whole routine of my day. I'm a, I'm a morning person, not a night person, so. <laughs> That's where you yeah. and I differ. I am not a morning person. Just ask my wife. Yeah, well, She'll tell you. <laughs> your your shifts are... I, I can't even imagine your shifts because you're... Um, are, you, are you regular now or are you still a yeah. regular? Oh, well, I'm irregular, oh. but my shifts... It just, it just means that I work... Uh, I'm not like on one ambulance. I'm either um, on uh, the 6 to 6, 6.30 to 6.30 or 7 to 7. Like, And right. usually they'll book me in for a whole block of the same. So it's not like I'm bouncing. But even if I was bouncing between like... They're all they all start at the same station, so it's not right. it's not true ereg. Like if you were an ereg in Vancouver, where you'd be like, oh, your first day you're in downtown Vancouver. Oh, second day you're in Langley. Oh, third day you're in New West. Oh, last night shift you're in Surrey. Like it's, right. it can be brutal. But so your blocks are always uh, two days and then two nights still. Correct. Yeah, it'll oh, be okay. it'll that'll be it for me until i don't know maybe i get go into like a supervisory position or something but even like okay. supervisors okay. supervise like street supervisors are uh the same shift pattern but right yeah see i like i can work a 12-hour shift but for me the thought of working 6 30 to 6 30 and then the next day working the other 6 30 to 6 30 or like working overnight just yeah i, I don't know i don't that know how sucks. you do it i i yeah night shifts seem to be brutal uh, or or not seem to be they are brutal um they're really tough the one like kind of nice thing about the two day two night is like after your second between your second day and your first night shift you have like 24 hours off which is kind of cool right so it's really like two days on one day off two days on four days off <laughs> but well th- three and a half three, days off three and a half days off yeah the first yeah. day is a, always a write-off definitely because yeah. i'm a zombie all right, that was a really long intro. <laughs> That's okay. What do you got for me, Jeff? So I want to talk to you about a fun, really cute little brewery that we stumbled across in Langley. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't do fun here. It's all seriousness. Right. Okay. A very serious, very cute little brewery out in Langley. <laughs> uh, and this brewery is called Locality. So 
I had never heard of it until a friend suggested that we go there. And so we did. And it's this magical little um, property. And you have to go down this kind of back road. And then you you follow, I can't remember if it's dirt or, or con- compact gravel, but it's not paved. Um, just for probably about 200 meters through kind of on both sides. It's like blackberry bushes. And you pull in and there's this big fake rock. <laughs> like, um, it's kind of hard to explain. It's sure. it's from like a movie set. So it's this huge kind of fake rock that makes it look like a cave. Like if you're going into like a Western, like, and then they're going into a mine or something. Um, right. And then so you park beside that and you come around and then they have the tiniest little tasting room where there's no seats inside. And you just head in and you can get your flights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you go out and there's picnic tables and then there's a lower area and it overlooks this pond and their property goes on a huge way. So you can't take your beer with you, but you can walk around their property. You can walk around the pond. It's funny because they, they were once a dairy, uh, like a dairy farm. Right. And so originally the property that is now locality brewing was producing milk and had a bunch wow. of dairy cattle and um, several years ago now, probably, I'm not sure, 15-ish, I don't have the dates in front of me, mm-hmm. uh, they decided to get out of the dairy cattle business, and they decided that they wanted to look for a different way to use the land. Right. So they signed a contract with, I think it was Cottonelle, and they were going to grow cotton trees. So they planted a bunch of cotton trees, and they take about 10 years to mature and get ready to... Um, it also might have been Sherman, but anyway, they take they take about ten years to uh, produce cotton for the first time. These trees, right? And at year nine, the plant that was making this toilet paper shut down. Oh! And so they no longer had a contract to produce this this cotton for them. What the? And so uh, they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. And for a little while, they were renting off the land for movies. Right. Which is why they have that giant kind of cave, um, and they've been in a ton of movies. The, um, they're east of, I think, it's two hundredth Street in Langley. The taxes changed for the movie industry, so mm-hmm. they were um, they're just past that point. So it's really good for the Vancouver film industry because they had this big open. They could film like any kind of forest scene in there, and I, th- I think some of the scary movies were filmed there. I think no way. Yeah, so really cool property and yeah but then once they finished with or weren't able to produce the cotton they wanted to figure out what else they could do and so one of the things that they kind of toyed around with was growing um malt barley or hops for other breweries and then eventually they said hey let's make our own beer and so they've only been around for a few years now Mm -hmm. but they're producing their own beer and it's very fresh tasting uh it's like literally like farm to can or farm to tap brewery because they produce a lot of their own materials for the beer. Mm. I don't know what they do in the winter. Maybe that's why they're temporarily closed right now. And maybe they're only a summer tasting room because mm. they have only outdoor seating. So my guess is that well, I just looked them up and this is temporarily closed. And I was wondering why, but I'm, it must be just because they don't have any heated or covered seating mm-hmm. um they have one little gazebo but it's really maybe seats like four people so definitely a place to go visit in the summer uh because otherwise they're not gonna have a tasting room 
enough, yeah. <laughs> um, but they do some fun, fun, some fun, really clean tasting beers. So they have a they have a beer called Thank You, which is an American lager, and basically it's just in honor of all the people that have helped support them oh. since 2016 when they were sold their first beer. I love that. They have a an Enchantment Brute Ale, which is kind of reminiscent of like a Brute Champagne, but oh. as a beer, which is super cool. I love those, actually. I've had a few of them. They're lovely. Yeah. Um, they, have, they do a lot of collabs with other Langley breweries. Right now, they have on a fresh hop sour from Locality and Fieldhouse. Hmm. And so it's... Uh, it's fresh hopped, but then and then it's very lightly soured, and it's not like one of those really flavored sours like cherry or whatever. So, um, really clean tasting again. Their Lost Hazy Pale Ale is very good. They have a uh, vanilla porter, which is quite nice. Uh, and then they have a wine barrel aged into the woods Black Forest Imperial Stout. I am a sucker for an imperial the, stout. The tagline says, "The tagline says, come to the dark side of the forest. We have cake." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. So yeah, so really, really cool things. They always have two guest taps from other um, breweries. Uh, usually they're Langley. Sometimes they're um, other lesser known ones. So right now they have Five Roads on uh, and Barnell from Kelowna, mm-hmm. and they also make a sour beer slushy. Uh, and then, or you can also do a sour beer slushy float on your beer. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, really cool. Um, and they also do that as flights. So you can do a flight of three of them and then your fourth one being the sour beer slushy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll just have like Bellini slush as oh. well. And you can do that as a float on your beers. So it's a really great place to go in the summertime. Definitely budget some extra time to go walk around the property. I haven't gone all the way around the lake, but even just walking around where their tap room is, is just so pretty. And like, you feel like you're completely out of the city, nowhere near um, any kind of civilization. You're just kind of lost in the woods. And um, they have a little, so they have like an upper portion of their property and a lower portion of their property. And then they have this metal slide that you can go down. Uh, And it's not very long. It's like, I don't know. 10 15 feet max mm-hmm. um, but it's a metal slide so when we were there last it was like screaming hot probably like high 30s and the metal, the metal slide was just on fire and these <laughs> these kids went to go down it and they're like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so um avoid it in the heat uh, yeah makes sense yeah but but yeah it was uh and it Quite commonly, you'll see the owners there, um, second, maybe third generation, second generation owners, at least. Mm-hmm. And they now have kids that sometimes will be running around the property as well. One of the sweetest dogs you've ever seen. They might have more than one, but I've only met the one dog. I I ended up just chatting with one of the owners for a while and, and kind of heard her life story and how they moved to Australia for a few years. And then it wasn't until they came back that they took over the farm and said, let's do something different with this. And so... Um, just kind of like run with life events, not people that have kind of just been legacied into having a brewery or whatever. And so just really intentional about what they were doing once they kind of lost their ability to produce cotton or whatever. So, um, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently one time, just like a director was flying over the, over, uh, Langley 
and yeah. saw the property and they're like, I want to film there. And it was locality. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, sometimes you just get lucky, I guess. Like, wow. Yeah. What well, when you have property that beautiful, so. Yeah, fair enough. They're the eighth brewery in Langley and they're the sixth farm-based brewery in Langley. Oh my gosh. Langley's turning into a bit of a hub, isn't it? Oh man, the brewery scene in Langley is amazing right now. Uh, and this past summer, they were doing a like a passport, which if you go to six of 12 places in Langley that had breweries, you'd get a stamp and then you could enter to win a staycation in Langley, which is like not far from home, but yeah. a whole lot better than not having a vacation. So Sometimes those staycations are so much fun. I know Cora and I have yeah. done a few in uh, in Victoria. That's when we started dabbling in craft cocktails. We've had a few cro- cocktail bars in Victoria. Whew, so good. It's yeah, it's nice because like, well, at least for us, like Langley's far enough away that it's different. Like it's mm-hmm. not like high rises and well, I mean, there's some in Langley now, but not kind of in this area. Yeah. So you you kind of get a feel of being somewhere else, but it's not. You don't have like the responsibilities of being at home, but you're not so far away that you can't get home or get to work if you had to. Yeah. And and I think I've said this on a previous podcast. We're it's the same amount of time for us to get to the Langley breweries as it is to for us to get to the East Van breweries now. Really? Yeah. So wow. if we're driving. Yeah, yeah. So if we're wanting to not drive, then taking the SkyTrain is faster. But if we're wanting to drive and um at least at least one of us is being responsible and, and designated driver, then getting out to Langley is easier. We also have a friend that lives out in Langley now, so we can totally crash at his place. Oh, perfect. Um, he hasn't said that, but I'm inviting myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and it'll be interesting to see um, how that will change once the SkyTrain is complete all the way through to Langley. Yeah. And I mean, it's not supposed to be done until end of 2026, which will probably turn into 2027. Probably. But, um, but you're right. I think uh, the parts of Langley that are going to be touched by the SkyTrain are just going to explode in popularity. So yeah. um, it's about, f- the estimation is that it's, I think, 24 minutes from King George, which is the end of the the SkyTrain line in Surrey. It'll right. be about 24 minutes from there to Langley Center, um, which I think is covers about five stops. So if you wanted to get from downtown, like Waterfront Station to Langley, it would take you uh, about just over an hour, like an hour and six minutes on the SkyTrain. Interesting. Which is really fantastic for public transport. Yeah. Because that's really yeah. close to what it would be now. Well, depending on the time of the day, it's going to be shorter than driving yourself oh absolutely shorter than driving yeah like we if if you're leaving if you're if you're driving at rush hour from waterfront like the core like core downtown vancouver and you're driving to langley during rush hour it'll take you it could take you up to two two and a half hours Oof. yeah so yeah cutting your uh commute time in half yeah plus it's electric and it's powered by hydro so there you go it's like completely carbon zero to do i'd love to this because like at least in rush hour times to just add more trains you know because i feel like they're Mm -hmm. always full especially around uh commuting time and like it'd be nice to just see more where you're not crammed into absolutely crammed like sardines into every and into every car right that'd be nice yeah yeah i mean they've been doing a good job of getting trying to keep up with it but 
you can only hard. do so much and, yeah. and people are just terrible right like the amount of times that i'm on a train and someone has their groceries on the seat beside them and then there's a hundred people standing up like i'm all for it if you don't want anyone to sit beside you and you put your bag on the seat when there's other seats available sure but i mean during yeah so anyway don't get me started on public transit i love it but (laughs) the people on it sometimes can drive me nuts so yeah fair enough uh anyway back on topic here we got locality brewing at 7111 252 street in langley check it out awesome so, Dan, I've been dying to know what you've been drinking lately. Well, I've got a kind of probably one that uh, um, is will hit close to our hearts. And I was at um, Morning People, the, the food truck, for a little, oh, yeah. uh, little breakfast the other day. And I decided to take a damble. Nice. Thank you. Danble? Dabble? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a uh, kombucha along with my breakfast and they just happened to have salt spring island kombucha which i have yet to try so i got to, i was able to try their elderflower um their elderflower ginger um uh, kombucha and i have to say i was really impressed i thought it was the perfect combination of uh floral uh nice elderflower notes with uh some ginger at the end without the ginger becoming overpowering uh and right. like just taking over your palate i thought it was really really nicely done it's also not too sweet which is really really nice for me i don't i yeah, don't i don't I like agree. it yeah i don't like it a lot if it's going to be really really sweet it just makes me feel sick after um every and it's obviously made on salt spring island which has a huge, uh, um, a huge deep connection for the both of us, considering we—that's kind of where we used to only hang out <laughs> before we came <laughs> became adults. <laughs> and uh, uh, each bo- of their bottles only contains 34 calories and four grams of sugar, which is fantastic. Yeah, I, and and I also have had uh, salt spring kombucha, and it's, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's uh yeah so uh, again it it took me back it, it, to a, to a more simple time of uh, hanging out on the on the lake and uh, going off the rope swing and um, it also happens to be absolutely delicious so if you ever see Salt Spring Island kombucha in your local store or local restaurant give it a try you'll uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it just as much as I would I did yeah hey Jeff what have you been drinking these days okay so have I got something for you. And I've been on a bit of a like liquor kick lately with these, <laughs> but it's, I swear it's not because I'm drinking a lot. It's just because it's all from one event, really, um, <laughs> or a couple of events I did in, in December that yeah. I've just been waiting to talk about. <laughs> so uh, going back to the time I went to Hopscotch Festival in December, yeah. uh, there was a wonderful whiskey i tried from campbell river called shelter point and shelter point is located i think it's just kind of southeast of campbell river it's just on the outskirts of campbell river anyway and they have one in particular that i'm going to talk about called smoke point and i'm a fan of a really in your face pd whiskey and this was no exception to that. I, I love I love a good smooth whiskey. Don't get me wrong. I love a bourbon. I love, you know, different. But when I just want to have a sipping whiskey, a really peaty one, a really smoky one 
just kind of gets my fire going. So Smoke Point is kind of one of their flagship whiskeys. And funny enough, when I was actually putting together the post for Instagram, uh, this whiskey was the latest post at Clive's Lounge, Clive's Cocktail Lounge, um, yeah. as something that they were featuring on one of their cocktails. So No way. Uh, anyway, so it has really, really smoky nose, and it gets that from being aged in barrels that are smoked with driftwood from the shore uh, close to their distillery. What? So they collect driftwood and they burn it basically to smoke the barrels that they're going to age this whiskey in. So it gets kind of like that local terroir. But what's so great about this one in particular is that that whiskey then dissipates and you're left with this really beautifully caramely whiskey. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say it's like chocolate fruit, toffee, and creme brulee. Uh, I get a lot of that kind of like really nice caramelliness to it. Yeah. Uh, it's got this really kind of deep, dark flavor, kind of o- almost just just teetering on the edge of a bit of a sweet finish. And I really hesitate to use the word sweet because it's not sweet at all. Mm-hmm. But compared to the peaty nose, having that kind of really smooth finish, it doesn't really leave you with a burn either. It's just... Ooh. it. You nose, you nose the smoke and then you taste it and that's the first thing that kind of hits your palate and then it's, it mellows out and it finishes off really smooth. And so it's a really, really nice one. Um, wonderful for sipping. Probably could be used in the right cocktail, but I think this one for sure is just put it in a sniffer glass and just sip away at it. Um, this is like the kind of whiskey that you would drink while having a cigar in a smoking chair with your smoking robe in a... And you're, you know, you get your fancy Cuban or whatever. <laughs> you paint a very interesting picture there, Jeff. Yeah, and you got your your pipe or whatever, and you you got your c- cigar and your pipe and your. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't do any of that stuff. I just I just drink a peaty whiskey. So, um, really good job from Cabo River. Uh, the rep that came down and uh, knew one of the people that I was with who works at one of the liquor stores locally, and so she was really. Um, generous with us and uh, let us try all the, all sorts of different whiskeys they're all great but smoke point from shelter point so smoke point is the whiskey and shelter point is the distillery really stood out from the distillery's uh, collection which are all good but this one really stood out to me as just really really incredible and for someone who doesn't like a smoky whiskey which i know there's mm-hmm. plenty of people don't get this one because it's very okay. smoky, <laughs> like okay. very, Fair very smoky, like one of the smokier ones that I've I've ever had. But the balance of it is really incredible. And this one actually won uh, double gold at the World Spirits Competition in San Francisco in 2022. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, so. would this be a good whiskey to try if you're trying to build your palate for whiskey? Or would this be a little bit no. too... Okay. No. This is, this okay. is like you like whiskey and you're in your... You've just discovered PD, and you want to see how far that'll take you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Fair this enough. is a this is an experienced whiskey for sure. <laughs> okay. Noted. Yeah. I will not be, uh, or I'll be building my palate before I get up to this one. Then. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I think for someone who's trying to get into whiskey, you should start with a really uh, neutral one. So something sure. that is well. First of all, I would you I would be careful with which whiskey you do because uh, Irish whiskey is good, but you have to get the right one. There's some really kind of lower tier Irish whiskeys that will really turn you off whiskey forever. And then there's some really incredibly smooth ones. I would say you'd want to, if you wanted to 
get into whiskey, you should start with something that is cask finish, specifically a sherry cask finish. Okay. That will get you something that's really nice and smooth and more caramely than anything else. And then you can work your way up to a single malt. And then from there, work your way into something really peaty. Okay. Noted. Noted. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's my opinion. I'm sure someone who knows more would know more, but... Works for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Dan, I hear you have a wonderful brewery for me. I do. And you know what? It's really funny, and I don't know how this keeps happening, but our breweries are quite similar. (laughs) Mine is also located on a farm uh, just outside of our major city. Major for us, Vancouver Island. I'm still waiting for the day that we decide to do the same one. (laughs) Oh, that would be so funny. And it actually kind of, uh, it's a lovely finish to my kind of tour of North Saanich and Sydney, which is becoming uh, an ever more popular uh, brewery setting on Vancouver Island. And this is one of my favorites, uh, for sure, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, I really enjoyed going there. And two, I have learned so much about the uh, brewer, the founder of the brewery, and uh, how what the, um, what they are trying to do. And oh, it's just it just keeps getting better and better. The more I look into this uh, brewery, the more I love it. Uh, and the brewery is called Howl, Howl Brewing, H-O-W-L. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've heard of it. Oh, have you? Interesting. Word travels fast. So the um the um the founder and like mm. the main You know what? No, I'm thinking of Howling Moon, which is the cidery that I was just talking about. <laughs> well, fair I enough. haven't heard of Howling Moon. Okay, sorry. Um go from go from and it's called Howl Brewing or whatever. Okay. And it's called Howell Brewing, and it's located in North Saanich. It's actually right across the street from the airport, not like the terminal side of it, but uh, the massive property on the other side. And it's, it, it, it might be the first Pico brewery that I've ever talked about on the, uh, uh, on the show. And I had to actually that, look up... Is that smaller than Micro? It is, exactly, okay. yes. So, so small, it's so small, it's the, the tiniest licensed brewery possible. And it also only generates about 500 barrels or less of beer a year. So they are wow. very, very small. And it's a 320 square foot brewery. Um, and he's able to brew 200 liters at a 280 liters at the time. Um, I might be a little bit biased, but I really like this guy. His name is Dan Van Netten. Uh, he's, <laughs> so he's a founder. He's also a fellow Dan. So, you know, they're... There's that. So I already 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 like him. So um, what he likes to do, he used to do home brewing back uh, just coming out of high school. And uh, in 2018, he opened Howell Brewing in North Saanich. What he really likes to do is actually recreate historical beers, uh, often Mm. with old recipes, which he finds in history books, um, which is fascinating. Really Um, cool. Yeah, uh, the ingredients he uses are mostly the mo- most of their ingredients that he uses are f- uh, found within a few kilometers of the brewery itself. Wow. Uh, yeah, um, all of their uh, so he's done uh, a version of a medieval Finnish sati, a Norwegian juliol. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, abs- I'm butchering these pronunciations, and a Swedish Gotlandsdrika. 
Um, they, all of those beers were filtered through juniper branches, which is kind of the old fashioned way or like the really like old way of filtering beers. Um, and he did a Mannheimer Brown beer, which I actually tasted when I was there and it was amazing. And it's flavored with fir branches, marjoram, chrysanthemum, majorum, majorum. Yeah. Okay. Chrysanthemum, elderflower, Mirica Gale, and thyme. It was absolutely brilliant. It was really, really good. I think I gave it uh, on Untapped. I think I gave it a four seven five out of five. It was fantastic. Um, it was Amazing. so like botanical and so different, and yet it still held like some um, kind of traditional flavor profile to it, which I found really, really interesting. Oh, it was so good. It somehow ended up being a bit gingery, which was I found interesting. But anyway, that could have been just my terrible palate. <laughs> um, uh, he uh, often gets a lot of he gets a lot of ingredients from local people within the community who uh, um, just randomly drop off like ingredients. Uh, like he said, he was telling this blog that the fire chief sometimes drops plums off in the fall and <laughs> they just leave a freezer unlocked and people leave things there with a note and then they use it in, uh, in his beers, which I think is just That's absolutely awesome. so cool. One of his, uh, regulars who also drops botanicals off, it's, it's kind of ironic. Uh, she is actually allergic to hops, which is funny, but she brings in <laughs> juniper, rosemary, cal calendula and sage uh all of which can be used in lieu of hops to add bitterness to beer oh. and so he has um i believe and i could be wrong on this but i think he does different flavors of a specific style of brew of brew called a groot which is a hopless beer which is so yes cool. yeah so his his most recent one according to his website um, so there might, I don't know how, uh, how often they update their website, but anyway, it's called the Eye of Newt Autumn Groot, which I think is a <laughs> del hilarious name. Uh, it's zero IPU, it's 5%, and it's a medieval style hopless ale made with North Saanich malted barley, wor wormwood, mugwort, mint, bay leaves, lavender, myrrh, devil's club, dem deminia, Blessed thistle, sage, ro rosemary, and juniper branches, <laughs> which just sounds fantastic. I I don't even my palate can't fathom what that even tastes like. To be honest with you, <laughs> I don't know if you can, but oh man, that is so so many different things. <laughs> so that's that's kind of what it's Howell Brewing is all about. It's all about the community that surrounds it, bringing in like fresh local ingredients to based on the season uh, to create these really interesting beers. He does have some mainstays. So he does have uh, classic styles of beer uh, using hops and stuff. The hops, he's actually, um, he grows about 80 or so plants uh, at his uncle's home in Machosan, which is about <laughs> 45 minutes to an hour away from the brewery, which is so, yeah. So there's so many, and <clears throat> Uh, through his own words, there's so many hops in the area still that he's able to brew almost entirely with South Vancouver Island grown hops from late summer wow, into that's early, awesome. which is so cool. 
So actually going to the brewery itself, it's located on a small farm. It's kind of attached to the to a um like a small kind of farmers market type store and cafe and and stuff like that. Um there from what I remember, there's no indoor seating, but you can sit outside on this really really nice patio and you're kind of right across the street from the airport. So it's not like not the greatest view, um but it's like but you can still see um, it's, it's quite flat. And when you look over, over the airport, you see like the mountain mountains from central Saanich and stuff like that. So it's, it's nice. It's pleasant. Um, but it's really cool. Cause you have like the farmer's feel to it. It's natural wood looking and, oh, it's, it's a really cool place to go and try beer. The people there who are pouring are super knowledgeable, really, really nice and very excited about their beers. And, uh, and so just an overall really pleasant experience. And you can you can bring your dogs there, which is great as well. And um, oh, it's it's definitely has a very community ba- based vibe to it. And so Amazing. which is yeah, which is really great. And they have really really good beers. And they change a fairly often enough that I have to actually go back into my uh, untapped account and actually look at what we tasted when we were there. And um, uh, so we were able to tr- taste a Chipotle Lime Gosa, which oh. was super good. Um, it was it started off as a smoky kind of Chipotle spice to it, and ended as a with like a salty and fruity uh, taste, which was delicious. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, they had the Chaga Spruce Tip Lager, which I think uh, uh, do they. They have a maple chaga spruce ale at the moment, um, and it was also really brilliant. It's, I have to say, Howell one of um, might be like one of the highest rated breweries um, that I've tried overall. Um, like most of the stuff that I was giving was four four and a half out of five and four seven five and everything. They had a um, so across the board, they're interesting. They're really well done. They're very fresh. And they taste ex- almost exactly what how they sound, so which is really really cool and really nice that they are able to do that. I'll just finish off the other ones that we t- tasted. It, there was a cantaloupe rose ale, a plum and fig Ooh. sour, and the Mannheimer brown beer, which was delicious. Wow. Uh, and then the last one that we got to try was their <clears throat> uh, strawberry raspberry and rhubarb summer ale, which actually, based on the description, I think is was their um, Groot at the time. Groot. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't. Uh, I don't know if that was the. They they've called it a traditional ale, and I'm not sure why the uh, on on Untapped, not through Howl, but so anyway, I'm not sure. But it says it's zero IBU, so I have to imagine there's no hops added to it, which makes right. me think it's their Groot. So it was also delicious. So <laughs> overall, like this, the whole experience from top to bottom is brilliant. I love everything about what they stand for and how they want to do beer. It ticks every box for me, and it's just an overall really amazing place to go and try beer. So if you're ever in the so name, you said they're you said they're a pico brewery. They're a pico brewery, so they're smaller than which is smaller than, smaller than a nano brewery. Yep, which, and, is, which is smaller than a microbrewery. Correct. It might be the smallest. Which is smaller. Oh, sorry. <laughs> which is smaller than a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, it's pretty small. That is really it's really small. Um, they also offer delivery and pickup and growler fills as well. So. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and they're starting to become more and more prominent in liquor st- lo- local liquor stores, which is great to see. 
Um, if you ever find yourself in the airport area and want to go grab a beer, they are located at 1780 Mills Road in North Saanich. Give Amazing. it a try. It's brilliant. You will not be disappointed. Absolutely. So, when we're over there. Yeah, damn right. Like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for this leg of our journey. Taste BC Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by Jeff Wilson and me, Dan Cavanaugh. You can continue the journey and check out everywhere we talked about today in the show notes and on our TasteBC map. Make sure to follow us at TasteBC Radio on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to have you join our community on Patreon. Links are in the show notes. Tune in next time to find out what we will be tasting next. And never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the show. This really helps us grow, and we really do appreciate the feedback. Until next time, support local and keep Keep it tasty. tasty. Nice. All right, tasters, let's get into it. So Dan, you got a big... Oh, God. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh- <laughs>